Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And today we begin with Tiger Woods. He's on the comeback trail. He did make the cut. Just don't shout, get him in the hole while he's trying to putt. Did you see that stare? The whole crowd stared at him. Oh. It's like, come on, man. You know the rules. You know the rules. Don't do that. Oh, man. It's So anyway, but you, if you guys haven't seen the video, look at the video. But more importantly for us, Tiger Woods coming back. What does it mean for golf and the business? Here golf? you go. You ready? This was just a few short minutes ago. Golf Channel PR tweeting. Ready? Coverage of the Farmers Insurance Open playoff. Yesterday on the Golf Channel earned a 1.86 overnight rating. It marks the highest overnight ever for Golf Channel handoff coverage and highest ever overnight rating for a PGA Tour telecast on the Golf Channel. And why do we think that is? For everyone who thinks that there is no Tiger effect any longer, you are wrong. People still tune into this guy. The effect will be there as long as he is out there and and, and swinging the club. Um, and it's it's sad for the sport, I think, in some ways, right? I mean, it, it, interest died when he left. Uh, what it's taken for it to come back is is this guy towards the end of his career who really is not playing well. I mean, this is his first cut made in three years, three, what four happened? years. There was a, weren't there the bevy of young guys that were ready to usher in the new era of golf post-Tiger? They're just as big, just as strong, hit the ball a long way. But they just don't seem to generate the buzz or interest that Tiger Woods does. It's kind of true in tennis also, right? I mean, it, there's there's all these young guys that are exciting that are going to kind of take the mantle from from Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. But the truth is that the people, the, the players that actually draw eyeballs to the sport are those two guys. Uh, and, and yeah, if I'm an executive at the USTA or, or at tennis somewhere internationally, I'm terrified about the possibility of, of having a major suddenly without Rafa or Roger there. Speaking of tennis... Congratulations to Roger Federer, who won his 20th Grand Slam title, taking the men's final in the Australian Open. Yeah, for all those years where we've talked about, will Tiger pass Nicholas? Will Tiger do this? You were always convinced, probably for the last year or two, that that was it for Roger Federer. Here he goes, Mr. Steady. He just always seems to show up in the quarters and the semis. And he won. Like He did have, let's say, a favorable route to the finals that's fine he had his opponent retire in in the semis so roger can use that added rest fact remains he he won his 20th and all the tennis folks are all over social media greatest of all time and these are former players the navratilovas the mackinros greatest of all time greatest of all time the guy has stood the test of time and he's 36 years old about my age <laughs> and, uh, looked, and, you look just as good, <laughs> just with gray hair, <laughs> and and I, I you got to give it to him. I mean, like you said, I mean he has been as steady as a rock, Evan. Yep, and it's great for Nike as well. Good for all of his partners. You know, he's he's one of those athletes. We Hank Lund- Lundquist is in this category, and Tiger Woods was for a little bit also. Where the the quality, the the type of brand he associates himself with, is the highest caliber. Roger Federer is that way because of the classiness with which he carries himself on the field, off the field. Um, all of this, the, the, this this extended run, and, and as we've said, we, he's beating father time in some ways who knows how long this is going to last that is fantastic for all the companies that have paid millions of dollars over the years to partner with him do we want to talk about tom brady yeah michael is he on our list of things to talk about the tom brady deal because that's what i mean that's there what we talked about. Sure. there are similarities yep. now between federer 
and Brady bring back to the Super Bowl. He's got five Super Bowls, right? That's what Charles Haley, five. Brady has an opportunity here to separate himself from any other player that has ever played the game. And at a time when he seems to be focused more on this off-field Tom Brady brand, we have documentaries about Brady, there are books about Brady and how he's defying time. His sponsors would love nothing more, a la Roger, for Brady to assume this only me mantle. It's a, it's a nice, easy way for you to continue to push Tom Brady well after football. But the, the, the comparisons kind of end with their ability to, to win late in their career, right? As much as, as you said, you're seeing Tom Brady setting himself up for, for business and life after football. He's pushing his semi-controversial methods about how he stays so healthy so late in his career. Uh, those are things that you don't – there's no Roger Federer, How I Beat Time documentary. You know, Roger Federer isn't selling – Pajamas. That Amazon's have working on it. Twenty-five right <laughs> word letter descriptions of of what they do for you while you're sleeping. They they are similar in that they're fantastic at the towards the end of the twilight years of their career. Uh, but the way they're going about the end of that career and setting themselves up for post career is totally different. But there is something again. We we always talk about winning cures all ills, and it's the separation. They are leaving an indelible mark, and there is no question that it's not. Is it? Remember for a while there, it was. Maybe Rafa. I mean, Rafa's got a better record than Roger head-to-head. There's no question anymore. Roger Federer has separated himself, and if the Patriots win this one, Belichick has separated himself, and Tom Brady has separated himself. Before we get to the Super Bowl, here's the trivia question. 36 years of age, 173 days, Roger Federer is the second oldest man to win a Grand Slam singles title in the Open. Now... Who is the oldest? Why does he do this to us? Like, who's the who, oldest? Who's the oldest? Uh, Rod Laver. Sampras. No. Okay, we're done. Oh, yeah, you both lost in Jeopardy. That's too bad. Ken, <laughs> Ken, Ken Rosewall. He won the 1972 Australian Open at age 37. Killing me, Bar. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Even, I don't even feel Killing bad me. about not knowing it. Like, <laughs> Back cracky. I remember that, kids. I've, <laughs> I've already forgotten the guy's name. <laughs> yes. Next week, I'll come with a Yvonne Cornway answer for you in the trivia question. <laughs> we got to talk about Ronda Rousey. She is now agreed to be a full-time wrestler. With the WWE, gentlemen. This is classic Vince McMahon. She's a huge brand. She gets attention. She's got the looks. She's got the pizzazz. She's got the following. Crossover sports star. And this has all the makings of Vince McMahon. Now just have to figure out how do you script her into this thing and make it work. Two years ago, there were two unequivocal headline stars of MMA, UFC. They were Ronda Rousey and they were Conor McGregor. They were both in the prime of their fighting career. And since that moment, both of them have gone on to other sports, boxing for McGregor, WWE for Rousey, to continue their career. It can't be a good thing for MMA. can't be a good thing for UFC. The stars, the two fighters that everybody wanted to watch, the headliners of their pay-per-view events, have both gone elsewhere to make much more money. And I don't know what Ronda Rousey is making for WWE. I would imagine she's going to make a little bit more than she was uh, as a UFC MMA fighter. Uh, But if you're an executive at UFC or you're in the MMA business, I think you have to think a little bit more about either making it more worthwhile financially for your stars to stay in your sport uh, or to change something else to to, to make them stay. I was bringing an analogy like baseball used to be. They're like the Milwaukee Brewers. 
they would develop the talent and CC Sabathia becomes a star in Milwaukee. And then the Yankees would come in and say, we like that guy. Come play for us for more money. I mean, that's kind of what's going on here, that these other sports are cherry picking the MMA UFC stars and then bringing them into their world and really catapulting them into what hundred million dollar paydays in the in the term of uh, Floyd Mayweather in boxing and uh, Conor McGregor uh, and Ronda. Let's see what she does off of this because guys like The Rock they have parlayed wrestling into other things and we already know Ronda's interested in Hollywood. Well, this has been a big week for Vince McMahon. On top of this news with Ronda Rousey, within that week span, he also announced he's kicking off the XFL. It, which I kind of like, I would like to see that. So, I mean, Vince McMahon has been rolling along. And speaking of football, we're talking now about the NFL. Uh, here's the question you're going to hear for the rest of the week. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? Who do I like in terms of who's going to win the game? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, how, how, do, how? I don't understand how you can make an argument against the New England Patriots. Guy goes down, somebody else fills in. They have the best quarterback of all time. They have the best coach. All these guys just seem to be rolling along. It's, and then here you have a backup quarterback in Nick Foles for the Eagles. I just don't see what argument is made for the Eagles. I was at the AFC Championship game between the, the Patriots and the Jaguars uh, sitting in the stands, and I was amazed at how calm Patriots fans were the entire game. They were losing almost the entire game. The Jaguars had a 10-point lead with eight minutes left. Uh, everyone around us was just like, we're going to win the game. You know, we've seen this script 30 times. So what the Patriots Vegas, have what won Vegas 29 of them. So what does Vegas do with this, Evan? I mean, that's always a big part of the Super Bowl. What does Vegas do with the line, with the prop bets they have? How are they going to, one, draw in big handle? And how are they going to manage, I would think, the most popular team, a, you, you set a line and you move it depending on the, the weight you have on both sides. But we've seen some of the biggest bets, single bets in Vegas so far have come in on the underdog Eagles. You know, there, there was a seven-figure bet, but on, on the Eagles to, to win outright, you know, so that would pay out well over a million dollars. And there have been a number of other big, sizable, couple hundred thousand dollar bets on the Eagles as well. So it's pretty clear that there are at least some sharp bettors out there that, that feel as though the line is maybe underrepresentative of how close this is. And that's probably because that for, for your average Joe better, uh, you see the Patriots in the Super Bowl and you say, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah, the Patriots are going to win this game. You know, whether they're down by 25 in the third quarter as they were last year or, you know, facing a, a surefire losing touchdown against the Seahawks three years ago. They just seem to always have a way to win this. And, yeah, that, that's probably factoring into the betting lines a bit. I don't expect you to know this, but it would be fun right now. What was the line when they were down 25? You could have had the Patriots at what odds at that moment? Because I'm wondering now if they do fall behind. Let's just say the Eagles jump out early. They're up 14 or whatever. Then you say... I think I might still wager 10, 20 bucks on the Patriots right now because of what they did last year. Speaking of which, hold on, around. hold on. Evan's got it. He's quick. Oh, you have it. Yes, the Patriots were plus 1,100 oh, uh, to oh, win that game in oh. the third quarter. Uh, so if you had bet $100, Michael Barr, on the Patriots to win at that point, you, you would have paid out uh, 1,100. See, I probably would have made that bet. Ooh. Yeah, if you know, you get those odds. This year, because of what happened already, if they do fall behind, by 10, 14, I'll, I'll wager that you're going to see more of those wagers. See, uh, what's the line on that, Scott? <laughs> yeah, what's the line on that? <laughs> Even money. <laughs> by the way, a Super Bowl ad is around $5 million for a 30-second spot. But why haven't I seen the hype this year for these Super Bowl ads that we used to see in the past? Because they're introducing them in different ways. Uh, Budweiser has broken through already 
Have you seen the water ad? Sort of, we're here for you, America, in times of trouble. And they stopped the plant. They stopped the production line. And oh, we're going to switch from beer to water. And the trucks roll out to whether it's Houston or New Orleans, place that needs help. That's Budweiser with their feel good. They're out early. So it's not even about the core product. And I think this is the week you're going to start to see more and more. Here's our first look online. How do companies now manage the digital versus the linear TV? What are they looking for? What audiences do they reach? How do they reach them? We're really at a tipping point with the NFL audience. I mean, I know it's a hundred million or hundred million person audience, but how many people are touching the Super Bowl via digital ways and not just on TV? Well, let's head to Minnesota, the site of Super Bowl 52. Bloomberg reporter Ann Mostu has just landed at the airport there where she'll be there all week covering the run-up to the game for us at Bloomberg Radio. She joins us from that airport, fresh off her flight right now. First of all, Ann, can you tell us what the local impact of the game will mean? Sure. The Minnesota Host Committee says the metro area will reap about $338 million in economic activity from the big game. That includes hotel rooms, food, beverage, retail, entertainment, uh, transportation purchases, and they expect about 125,000 non-resident visitors arriving this week. You'd have to wonder here, Anna, could they admit, could the hotels chains, the managers, the local folks, could they admit that they were rooting against the Vikings in the NFC Championship? Because had the Vikings won, think about it, you're, you're losing out one of those traveling fan bases. Most of those folks would not need hotel rooms. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, there certainly will be some Minnesotans traveling to the Twin Cities for the game, but most of the folks are coming from out of state. That's a good point. And, you know, the city is, the city was pretty smart, I think, in this Super Bowl. They asked to be paid up front. They wanted $5 million by mid-January to cover the cost of public works and safety. That includes local and state police and the National Guard, saying, you know, they're not giving anything away. But, the host committee says they're going to recoup those costs plus more. And, of course, a lot of, a lot of merchandise is sold day of at the stadium. Well, speaking of who's paying, you know what phrase appears many times in the bid book when you try to get a Super Bowl? At no cost to the NFL. I can tell you that many people <laughs> will pay many fees. It will not be coming out of the NFL's coffers. That's exactly right. And, you know, I talked to one sports economist. Uh, Victor Matheson at Holy Cross, who says, you know, this is this is really fun for elected officials like the mayor of any city. They get a lot out of it. Taxpayers, nah, they put up a lot in the beginning. They usually see a lot back, but not more than a hundred million is what he said. Yeah, there's always debate as to what the real number is because while somebody may not be at the hotel, they may not go to the NFL experience. They will go to the movie theater or the bowling alley or something. They'll spend that cash some other way that weekend. But, hey, this is still great narrative for the NFL. And I'm looking here at the weather. Uh, Wednesday night, 1 degree. Thursday night, negative 2 degrees. Saturday night, negative 5. Uh, to what extent do you think that the weather might factor into some of these economic impact studies? I mean, are, is there a chance that people may stay home because of how cold it is? Yeah, that's a great question. And in, in the past, snow has kept people away. The only really good news about the weather forecast here in Minneapolis is that it's not supposed to snow, but it is going to get really, really cold. So people are going to have to be, if they're outside at all, they're going to have to be really, really well dressed. 
Ann Mostu, who is at Minneapolis, Minnesota, for Super Bowl 52. Thank you so much for taking the time out and talking with us. Thanks, guys. And I should add something that not many people were thinking about until now. The flu is affecting some of those fans flocking to Minnesota for the game. Staff and volunteers are on defense, disinfecting anything hands-on like exhibits and the virtual reality equipment multiple times a day to try to keep sickness from spreading in the supersized crowd. No high fives, no high fives. That's right. Elbows. Elbows. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soschnick and Evan Novi williams We're here each and every Monday and Friday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week for a closer look at the business surrounding this Super Bowl weekend. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes.